Welcome to New Life Bible Church, and thank you for joining us. Every week, listen to practical teaching of God's Word you can apply to your life as you live out your faith every day. Our vision at New Life is that you may know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. Here's this week's message from New Life Bible Church. Ready? This is my. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. Today I will be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess my mind is alert, my heart is receptive. I will never be the same. I'm about to receive the incorruptible, indestructible, ever living seed of the Word of God. I will never be the same. Never, never, never. I will never be the same in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Thank you, Lord. So we're going to start a two-part series on forgiveness. Ooh, ah, right? So I try to teach this every, about once a year, once every year and a half or so. How many of you know this is an ongoing thing, yeah. all right? Yeah. I have a book in my office that uh, I took a whole semester on forgiveness, and I was like in college, and I was like, how are they going to, you know, after I went to seminary, I went to college, and I said, how are they going to fill a whole semester on this one subject? You know, I couldn't understand, and, and uh, we had a professor come down from Trinity, and he has written several books. I can't remember the guy's name, but he's written several books, and one of them is called Forgive and Forget. How many of you heard that saying? Forgive and Forget, Right. So uh, the thing is, if you could forget, you wouldn't have to forgive. Amen. The problem with forgiving is that you can't forget, and that's why you have to continue to forgive. And he named it that way, and then once you get into the first thing he says is, if you can forget, then you don't have to forgive, because as long as you remember what's been done to you or, or you know, what, what uh, uh, betrayal you've, re- you've received from others, you're always going to be working through forgiveness. So uh, before I get into it, I just wanted to lay out a couple of things. <clears throat> so this week, we'll end with a little bit of ministry. We have a, a uh, is that we do have the, the song up and all that. Okay, so at the end, we have a, a moment where you'll be able to do something with the word you're going to receive. And then next week, uh, we're going to have communion. I'm so glad I said that because uh, Elder Barb, we're going to need to. <laughs> to <laughs> I had it on my list of things in there. I just remembered. So please write that down and let your, your hospitality team know and uh, set that up for us for, for next week. Um, my wife is in Brazil until Saturday. I pick her up in Fort Lauderdale Saturday morning at 7.20 in the morning. And um, <laughs> how much you think an Uber would be from, <laughs> from Fort Lauderdale? But anyway, I took her down there, and I took advantage, and I spent some time with my aunt. It, my grand aunt, it's the la- she's the last one left after my grandmother passed. They were eight, uh, but they all died in their 90s, so uh, I, I think she's almost there, or she's almost 80. She's the youngest of them all, but anyway, she, was so, she didn't know what to do with herself. I showed up at her door <laughs> and didn't tell her I was coming, <laughs> so she says, I'm going to live 10 more years just because you visited. I was like, well, I'll be here next week, and we'll begin to charge you for that, but <clears throat> anyway... Uh, what was it? Oh, because my wife is gone, and uh, so. But next week we will have communion, and uh, and you know she helps with that. But I'm sure that the hospitality team can handle that. It's not a big deal. So come in ready for that. You know, communion in uh, the Catholic Church they call it the Eucharist. How many of you ever heard that word, the Eucharist? Well, Eucharist means Thanksgiving. Amen. That's exactly what it means. Sure. So for. A religious organization like the Catholics to call the table of the Lord Thanksgiving or forgiveness, I mean, right? No, Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving means, wow, you know, we're thankful for what happened there. And what happened there at the table where we take the bread and the wine and we realize his body was broken, his blood was shed for our forgiveness, right? So we have a responsibility. You ever been given something uh, uh, that you have a responsibility, you know, to do something with? 
and it's your responsibility and you have to do it. Well, we've been given a great responsibility because we've been given great forgiveness. Mark chapter 12, <clears throat> verses 29 through 31, the New Century Version. Mark 12, 29 through 31. Jesus answered, the most important command is this. I have a whole series on this one scripture. The most important command is this. Listen. Listen, Linda. Listen, people of Israel. The Lord our God is the only Lord. That's That's pretty important. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all your mind, and all your strength. The second command is this. In another version, it says the second command is as important as the first, and it is this. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. There are no commands more important than these. Now, there's something here that I'm going to cover a little bit next week. I can't really cover uh, a lot of it today because it doesn't, it kind of fits better with next week's message on forgiveness. But it says, love others as you love yourself. Seems to me like there's a step to loving others. You have to learn to love yourself. So here we have this gap of what Jesus is expecting of us and what we're actually experiencing. Think about that for a moment. There's a gap here. The gap between what we hope for and desire in a relationship or relationships and what we actually experience. One side of the relationship gap is the reality of failed marriages, divorce, absent parents, rebellious children, disloyal friends, gossiping churches, betrayal, betrayal, betrayal. How many of you have ever been betrayed? Everyone should raise their hand because we've all been betrayed at, at any level, at different levels. <clears throat> betrayal is an expectation that is never met. So who sets the expectation? We set an expectation on what we would expect from the other person to do for us or how we want them to behave around us. So when we set that expectation and it's not met, we feel betrayed. And that betrayal sets in if you don't let it go and forgive. It sets in, it roots in, and it causes the end result that is bitterness. But on the other side of this relationship gap, Jesus is saying, love them like you love yourself. Love God, love them. John 13, 34, New King James. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. See, the big one there is just as I have loved you. How has Jesus loved us? The ultimate sacrifice is life. And we always, you know, you guys have heard me preach this on in Christmas. Uh, I always preach this one message because it's like always asked for. But we know that his sacrifice was not just his death on the cross. It was him being born of a human being. It was him putting on flesh. We may be used to this because we were born with it, but he had to put it on. He was, he was God, and he came down in, into flesh. That to me is like, that's, what's the beginning of death the day you're born? It's also the beginning of life, but it's also the beginning of death. Because that's the first day until the day that you die. Well, that was Jesus. He gave up life by becoming down into human flesh. That's how much he loved us, that he laid down his life. And he wants us to love others that way. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I know. So we got to build this bridge. What What does this bridge look like? What do we call this bridge between what we hope for and desire in relationships and we actually experience? Well, we call, first of all, we call upon the expert bridge builder, Jesus Christ himself, because he showed us by example how to love and how to forgive. So this bridge is called forgiveness. It's the only way to the other side, because we can say the bridge is lack of betrayal, that's not going to stop. We're humans. People are going to let you down. 
People, you know, most of the time people let you down and they don't even know they did. <laughs> Sometimes we receive betrayal and we carry this burden of somebody doing something to us and they had no idea they did anything to you. Sometimes they do it to you on purpose. And they sit back and laugh at your reaction to carrying the burden of what they said or did to you. That's pretty evil, isn't it? <laughs> to start to deal with this side of the bridge that is riddled with betrayal and hurt and disappointment, emotional trauma, we need to deal with an emotion that we all have had, and that is, I don't care anymore. Whatever. Oh, I, I wish they would remove that word from the vocab. I, I don't like I, I used to use it, and then one day I said it, and I felt so dirty, <laughs> like I had said a four-letter word, right? Whatever. Oh, the, the, the youth of today. Whatever. No, it's not whatever. It's not whatever. I don't care anymore. Who cares? When you're saying these things, then you've arrived at this place where you need to work your way back to the other side. The fact that you can say that you don't care anymore shows that you do. If you really didn't care anymore, you wouldn't say anything. <laughs> right? If you didn't care, you wouldn't. If I don't care, why am I going to say anything? But the fact that you're saying you don't care means that you actually still do. <clears throat> So what does work according to the word of God? <laughs> what does work? I understand that it may seem insurmountable to do these things because of the amount of hurt and pain that has been inflicted upon you, and, but God seems to think that you can do it through faith because he wouldn't ask you to do something that you can't do, right? right? He wouldn't put more upon you than you can and, and if I would have taught this message 30 years ago, 25 years ago, I would have approached it completely different. Because even though I've gone through hurt and pains and things in my life and people have betrayed me and, and had uh, 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 trauma in my life, even though those things have happened, uh, they weren't nowhere to the level of what I saw through counseling and, and having people come into my office and share what somebody did to them, and wow. So I'm at a different place now. Now I'm at a place of empathy. Like, okay, Lord, you're asking me to preach this, but I know that it's difficult for some of these people because they are carrying the burden of what was done to them, and what was done to them was horrible, painful. Some of you are thinking of some things right now. But let's start with showing you how you arrived at this place of, I don't care anymore, whatever. It's a progression. The first part is distance. You create distance between you and the person that hurt you. Many of us do not like conflict, so we avoid the situation in turn, avoid that person. You ever do that? You ever run into somebody at a store and go the other way so you wouldn't have to say hi to them? Why are you laughing? Was it me? Did you see me in a store and you went the other way? I bet it was. Oh, there's Pastor Rick. He preached on Sunday and it really, really messed me up. I don't want to, I really don't want to see him. Right? <laughs> I don't want, you know, you look at, and you see, oh man, I've done it in a store and saw somebody and didn't want to say hi. <laughs> That's horrible. Forgive me, Lord. Right? And every time you run into that person, every time you see a certain thing, smell a certain thing, eat a certain thing, you remember what that person did to you. And what do you do? You get more distance between you and that person. You get more distance between you and the conflict. You make more distance between you, right? And you begin to neglect relationships, and you don't maintain them anymore because you don't want to be hurt. Who wants to be hurt? Nobody. So you create distance, and then you create a wall. So you pro your progression is, now I've created a little bit of distance, but that's not enough because I can still see and feel, and, and I have this hurt. So I'm going to build this wall between me and people so I don't feel this way anymore. 
right? And you build a wall. And once you're done building the wall, you realize that the hurt and the pain and the bitterness is on your side of the wall. It's not even on the other side anymore. It's on your side. You went through all the trouble and all the struggle of building this massive wall between you and what you think is hurt and pain other people, and actually it's on your side of the wall. But you don't only wall out the bad people that have hurt you, you also wall out the good people that could help you. Eventually, you wall out God. You think you're protecting your emotions from ever being hurt again, but nothing could be farther from the truth. You're drowning in those emotions. Because somebody threw a hose over the wall. <laughs> it was a thing, you know, the Argentinians and the Brazilians don't like each other. I don't know if you knew that. And they're, they're right up against each other. They, they border up against each other. And, you know, in soccer, it's like it's, they're rivalries. And... Uh, so the Argentinians put it uh, years and years ago, put on the, on the front page of one of their newspapers that they were going to build a wall around their country to because they believe that they're really European, that they're not South American. And if you look at Argentina, most of their buildings are uh, very European looking and uh, they, they don't eat as much rice and beans. They eat more pastas and meats. They can barbecue like no one else. Yeah, Argentinian meat is incredible. So anyway, but uh, they they wanted to. They said we're going to build a wall around the country. And Brazil wrote uh, the the next week or so on their front page, "Go ahead, and we'll just fill it with water. Like we're going to throw our hoses over it and fill your country. Go build a wall, and we'll fill it with water." Right? That's what will happen if you build a wall around yourself, trying to protect. You're going to drown in your own bitterness, in your own emotions. Then you have escalation. So you've got distance, walls, and escalation. This means the situation now becomes bitter than, bigger than the situation was. So you thought that by building a wall and creating distance, the situation was going to get better, but it got worse. It got bigger. And that person that hurt you is no longer there. They've gone on with their life. They don't even know that you're drowning in your own emotions. If they did, they'd probably do a tap dance and, and celebrate. Or maybe they would ask for forgiveness. But you've, now you've escalated. We begin to drown in the situation while the people that cause the situation are high and dry. So we try to bring them down to our level. This does not work. This no work. Now we have false belief. This is where the enemy comes in. So you see... He's been preparing you, like molding you, preparing you and removing the doors and removing to, to begin to lie to you now. This is where the enemy wants exactly where he wants you. You begin to imagine things that are not even there. People come and they want to help you or do something for you or they, and you automatically think there's something, there's, there's, a, there's a catch, there's a hook in this. This person is trying to do something to me. They're trying to betray me. They're trying to, and, you, and you, you have false belief about what's actually happening in your own little world. You read into things that don't even exist. You begin to believe the lies that the enemy is feeding you. And believe me, he is feeding you lies. When you don't know the facts, we begin to bring in our own ideas. You cannot trust your emotions when you are offended. If you're offended... You are the last person you should be taking advice from. When you're offended, you are the last person you, be, you should be taking advice from. It's not good advice once you're offended. Dare I jump into this here before I do the last one, the last step. Sometimes we jump in with others that are also offended And we look for those that are going to promote and excuse our behavior. And they're going to tell you, oh, yeah, take half. Right? Go get them. Get yourself a lawyer. Do this. Do that. Do the other. That ain't right. What they did to you, what they didn't do to you, what, you know? And they jump in. 
I know somebody that for $5,000 will take care of your problem for you. We don't know anybody like that around here. In Miami, there were a dime a dozen. You don't want to be around people like that. You want people that are going to look at you in the face and say, you need to let this go. This is going to kill you. You know that unforgiveness scientifically has been connected to cancer? They have done research where they, they interview people that are dealing with a certain type of cancer. I can't remember which one it is, but they're dealing with a certain type of cancer, and they start asking them questions, and like over 90% of them are dealing with some type of emotional hurt and unforgiveness. That's a, that's, you know, your, your emotions can affect your physical being. So false belief. The next one is hostility. This is the last one. You ever met somebody that's hostile? They went through all the steps before to get here. Now we have a hostile relationship with those around us. The holidays roll around. I don't want to go. I don't want to see my uncle. I don't want to see my cousin. My cousin comes, you know, they, they, they got the perfect marriage and they got money and they live really well and they want to brag about their boat and, you know, and I don't want to hear, and you're, you're just, and believe me, listen, when you're like that, people don't want to be around you either. Don't think that you're not, you're the only one, I don't want to be around them. No, they don't want to be around you either. <laughs> we have so much distance. Listen, I put all this into a sentence. We have so much distance that we built walls and, and the issue escalated into a false belief that has caused a hostile situation. You see how, how it progresses? So much distance that we built walls and the issue escalated into a false belief that, was, that has caused a hostile situation. Hostility is not the condition between you and another person, but the condition of your soul all by yourself. Hostility robs you from your peace and joy, even when that person is not even around. You, have, you behave hostile towards those that have not even caused you any harm. And people tend to distance themselves from you because of your bitterness. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 12 through 14. It gets better, I promise. Remember. That seems to be an important word in our scriptures. Remember that at the time you were separate from Christ. Do you remember that? <laughs> without hope and without God in the world, but now in Christ Jesus, who once were far away, have been brought near through the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. He goes right for the last step. He goes right for the last thing. He doesn't talk about unforgiveness. He doesn't talk about building the wall. He doesn't talk about faults. He just says, this is the, once you've gotten to this point, you're hostile. And he still said, I don't care how bitter you are. I don't care how big of a wall you build. I'm coming after you because I love you. And I'm going to forgive you for whatever you've done. That, that way, you can learn how to forgive others. The reason why this scripture starts this way is because we, we tend to forget how much we have been forgiven. You know, and this is, this is a tough one because... There are so many different traumas and things in, in a room, even with you know, just a few people in it. Uh, if you get into the thousands, then you can really start to cover a, a, a large spectrum of things. But it doesn't matter what it is. And you might say, well, I've never done that to somebody else. What did you do? You escalated. Because you said, this has been done to me, and I need to forgive myself, but I've never done that. You know, it's all sin, right? It all separates you from God. The white lie and anything as bad as you can come up with. Now, are there earthly consequences for certain things? There are. And sometimes you are going to pay for those. Ephesians chapter 2, uh, verse 12 through 14, I read, Remember, and then it says, brought near through the blood. 
You built a wall, you created distance, and Jesus still brought himself near through his blood. He destroyed that barrier and the wall of hostility that we created. And then he began to build a bridge. <laughs> so what does he want from us? Jesus, what do you want from me? I'm hurt. You know, one of the things we say, you don't understand. <laughs> that might be true, actually. He doesn't stand, understand because he doesn't stand under anything, right? But to tell him that, that you, don't, you don't really get it, you, you don't, you know, it, I can't even say it. It just sounds weird to tell God something like that after what he's done in coming to the earth and dying on the cross for us. I was talking to my aunt and her brother, my, my great-aunt, and her brother had the picture of the laughing Jesus in his hallway, which I now, those of you who have been in my office, have seen it. I have it over my desk, above my computer. Sometimes I'm counseling. The other day I was, she's not here, so I'm going to talk about her. The other day I was kind of counseling my wife. She came in to kind of, you know, just, just to talk. Guys, husbands, sometimes they don't want you to resolve their issues. Sometimes they just want you to listen. They don't want you to get up and run out there and, and beat somebody up or, or you know, or, or do something to resolve. They just, want to, they just want to air out, and they just want you to listen, even though on the guy's side, we're like, okay. All right, you finish, because I'm going to go get this person, you know? Right? Let me. You want me to call him? I'll call him. Right? That's not what they want. They just want, sometimes they do want that, but... Most of the time, they just want to air out, and they want to say what they want to say. But she was in there, and she was saying all these things, and, and I was so close to turning around and pointing at the picture, because she was telling me she, was, she had a rough day. She had a hard day, and I didn't have to do that. She looked up at the picture. She goes, I understand why you have that picture, because she never liked the picture. So I said, I understand why you like that picture, and I was like, why? She goes, because I'm here telling you what a rough day I had. He had a rough day, and he's laughing at me. Jesus laughs at me all the time. Not because he's, you know, he doesn't have empathy or he's not sympathetic towards me or anything like that. He laughs because I'm complaining about first world problems and he's like, yeah, you think you had a bad day? I had a bad day. All right? <laughs> and he just, right? <laughs> and it brings me back down to earth and say, all right, the sacrifice that I'm making to serve you, Lord, is nothing. It's a blessing to me to do this. <laughs> what does he want from us? Ephesians chapter 4, verses 31 and 32. Get rid of all bitterness. That's easy enough. Rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. Just as in Christ, God forgave you. Mamma mia. Forgiving each other just as in Christ, God forgave you. Get rid of all this stuff. Get rid of your bitterness, your rage, your anger, your brawling, your slander, and every form of malice. Get rid of it. Doesn't that sound so easy? The power to forgive is in the just as. We need faith in what Christ did for us to have the power to do that for others. So when you're having trouble forgiving others, you're having trouble receiving Christ's forgiveness for you. I know. Pull your toes back. So when you find yourself saying things and saying this person and you're just upset and you're unforgiving towards somebody, think about it. You're having trouble receiving God's forgiveness for you. So how do I forgive this way? Start by realizing that your way is not working. These steps that you took to try and protect yourself, they don't work. You still have hurt, pain, still dealing with bitterness, and it's getting worse. Your way is not working. So by faith, let's do it God's way. 
How many wants to do it God's way? I, I'm tired of doing it my way. It hurts. Tired of the pain. I'm tired of the. I'm tired of the depression. I'm tired of the anxiety. I'm tired of being alone because people don't even want to come near me. Why is that? This way will guarantee peace and healing in your heart. Three steps to biblical forgiveness. Three steps. Number one, receive God's forgiveness. First Timothy chapter 1, verses 13 through 15. Even though I was once a blasphemer, that must be a bad word, and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of the Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinner, sinners, of whom I am the worst. See, it doesn't matter how bad of a thing was done to you. I'm the worst. If I'm the worst and I was forgiven, Isaiah 118, come now, let us settle this, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, I will make them as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, I will make them white as wool, if you only obey me. And what is he asking for you to forgive others? It's almost like a scale. You're going to receive the amount of forgiveness that you give. So if you're giving forgiveness to, to and that's not forgiveness towards God because God hasn't done anything. <laughs> right? Listen, don't blame people. Don't blame God for what people do. You got people that run from church. They do those, those, those steps. They, they run from church. They build a wall. Right? They come up with false beliefs. They talk about the church in a negative way. And then they become hostile towards the church. And they try to pull other people out of the church. Why? Because they're blaming uh, a God for what people do. Church is not perfect. It was until I opened one, right? <laughs> church is not perfect. That's why we're here. That's why the church still exists. Once, once God fulfills what he needs to fulfill through the church, the platform of the gospel of Christ, once he fulfills that, we won't be here anymore. The church won't be needed anymore. But we're still here. We're still here to receive God's forgiveness. So your first one is receive God's forgiveness. And in there, there's another one, but we're going to cover that next week. Number two, freely give what you have received. So if you wanted, if you wanted to kind of like measure, you want to measure, like they say in the Midwest, you want to measure what you've received, go through the things that you have done, the life that you lived before Christ, the things that you did to others, the offense that others are carrying out there that maybe you didn't even know you gave them. That's a lot. Believe me, I'm a, blah, 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 I'm a blabber, so I know that I have said things that have offended others. I know that. Even a fool in few words appear to be wise. It's a proverb. You want to look wise? Shut your mouth. <laughs> I'm talking to me, by the way. <laughs> Right? Just be quiet. Never do this step of freely give what you've received without doing step one. Because you can't give what you didn't receive. Right? You can't give what you didn't get. So receive God's forgiveness and freely give what you have received. Matthew 10.8, freely you have received, freely give. The forgiven, forgive. You know, we've used that on the other side where it says the hurt, hurt. People who are hurt, hurt others. I forgot, I, I was going to give you a, a short story and I'm, I'm having trouble pulling it out of my, my memory here, my memory disc. Um, 
it just happened recently, and, and I thought about the, the message today. Um, I can't remember what it was. But anyway, the person was pretty upset, and they gave me a hard time about something really dumb, about something really simple. And they gave me a hard time about it, and then I, I realized they're not mad at this little thing that, that I may have done or something that I didn't do. Or they're mad. They, they were like that before they got to me. Sometimes people react to you and you say, why are they so like, I, you know, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to make you so. They were upset before you came around. They were bitter before you came around. They were carrying, you know, trauma before you came around. You had nothing to do with it. How you react in that moment could determine how they continue after their encounter with you. That's, that's a big responsibility, isn't it? So you can encounter that person, and I, I did it a while back where somebody was like that, and I said, look, I know that you're not upset with me. I know that you were upset before you got to me. We had somebody in the church that I did something, and it was really, they read into it, they, they, they listened to a false accusation in their head, they read into it, and they left. Them, their, their family, everybody, they just left. And then, uh, so I called. I had, uh, you know, some people I spent a lot of time with, and this is one of the families I spent a lot of time with. And I called, and I was like, you know, is everything okay? Because I was ready to apologize if I had done anything or whatever. And, and that's, that's how we handle ministry here, by the way. Those of you who have ever been in my office and come in upset at me, <laughs> I don't attack, I entreat. I always entreat. I've learned that from Pastor Fred and, and from many other pastors. Uh, you know, go ahead, put the other nail in. This is why I'm in this position, because this is what God expects of me. So go ahead, finish me off. And sometimes they come in all upset, and they go, wow, that's not what I expected. I was like, what did you expect? If I react, you know, defending myself, what is that going to do? You're obviously upset. I want to help you not be. If you walk out of there and I win, we lose. We all lose. You can take that right into your marriage. Men, you win, you lose, you lose, you lose. Period. You win, you lose, you lose, you lose. So quit trying to win and lose. You're on the same team. Yeah. Quit trying to win or lose. You're on the same team. That's free. I'll just let you have that one. Freely give what you have received. The forgiven forgive. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 21. For Christ, love compels us. I don't know why I, when I read compels us, I see the, the priest with the water. Christ compels us. Right? And why do I see that? There's a show or something, right, Rick? For, the Christ, for Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. All of this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them, and he was committed to us, the message of reconciliation, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Wow. God said, I'm, I'm going to... I want you to do this. I want you to reconcile yourself to me. I want you to make up with those who have hurt you. I want you to, but before you do any of that, watch me. Let me do it for you at a level that you'll never have to do it for anyone else. You'll never have to forgive at a level that God has forgiven us. Think about that. The very ones that crucified him were forgiven because Jesus himself looked up to God and said, forgive them, for they know not what they do. 
I heard an atheist say one time about that phrase, what a naive person Jesus was. He was so naive because he should have or could have. I was like, well, if you don't believe in God, then he should have, could have, wouldn't have mattered because, right? He goes, but that reaction to what was done, what was done to him in that book was naive. I said, Lord, let me be naive. And it does seem that way sometimes because what happens? You open yourself up for hurt again. But listen, the only way that you're going to experience the greatest experience in the world, which is forgiveness and love, is by giving forgiveness and love away. I'm willing to be hurt. I'm willing to be hurt to be able to experience love and forgiveness myself. I'm willing to put myself out there because it's never going to be at the level that he did. Never. He's never going to ask us for anything that he didn't do himself, and he did it, right? And he loves us, so love others. And number three, the last one is go first. Everybody say go first. first. Romans 5.8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He went first. Matthew 5, 9, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. James 3, 17 and 18. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere, peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. Righteousness is right standing with God, which means it requires forgiveness, doesn't it? But it doesn't require forgiveness from God because he already gave it. It requires you to receive forgiveness. Now, I have a saying, that, and, and people sometimes look at me funny, and I say, God has done everything he's ever going to do for us. I believe that to be true. I think the rest of it falls on us to receive. He already gave us forgiveness. Receive his forgiveness. I have another one that says, you can't receive his forgiveness outside of him. Because then you would take forgiveness and run away from him. <laughs> right? Forgiveness comes with him. Jesus is forgiveness. He doesn't give forgiveness. Jesus is hope, is peace, is love. With him, you get those things. Without him, you don't. So he doesn't give you people, oh, I want. No, well, you want, then you got you to receive him. And if you receive him, you got to be like him. Because he becomes part of who you are. And to be like him, what do you got to do? You got to forgive. Listen, this is for your own good. God is not asking you to forgive so that the other person gets away with what they did. That's not, next week you'll learn that, but that's not the reason at all. We are not excusing the trauma. We're not excusing uh, the hurt, the pain. We're not excusing that at all. We're not saying that what they did is okay, because it's not. What we're choosing to do is to forgive them for what they did. And that doesn't happen, I forgive them, Lord. And then, you know, I've had people come and say, I forgave them. And then like a month later, I, I, I guess I didn't forgive them. Yes, you did. You got to do it again. There's, there's no one here who came to Christ and stayed perfect. No one. The baby comes out. You know, born again. The baby comes out. Oh, and they, you know, they always say, oh, the baby's so beautiful. No, babies are ugly. Okay, <laughs> then they become cute and beautiful. I don't care what they say. Babies come out ugly, period. I don't, you can be mad at me, whatever you want. Nobody, you can cut that out if you, if, if you feel that way, but, you know, they, they, they just, they're just ugly. Then they clean them up, right? And they cut the umbilical cord, and, and, they, and they're all pink, and, and, so, and they have a smell. They should make a cologne out of the smell of babies. Yeah, I always smell the top of their head. You take... Oh, they smell like, man, they smell good. And they don't even put cologne or powder or anything. It's just the smell that babies have. And they bring them out, and they bring them to you all wrapped up and everything. And, oh, he's perfect. And look how beautiful he is. <laughs> and they have their first explosion. The green one. What do they call the first? Mercurium? Mer what do they call the first poop? Huh? Mer what? Meconium. I was close. Right? 
They have their first poop, and we're, oh, man, he's not so cute anymore, is he? That's funny, but think about it. You give your life to the Lord that day, man, it's so awesome, it's so great. Everybody looks at you, look how much he's changed, look at his... I've seen people, their complexion and their whole, everything changes right before your eyes. You see Jesus come into their life, it's radical. And then the next day, they poop themselves. Something goes wrong, and they do something, and they need what? They need God's forgiveness, and they need our forgiveness. Because people, they, you know, they, and I always say, they get saved, they sit on the front row. They got a big old Bible, they got their tie on, they're hallelujah, and woohoo! And then they, you know, they, they slip up this week, they do something that they used to do, and, they, and then they move to the second row, and they're not as loud anymore, and then they move to the back row. Nobody, I'm not picking on anybody on the back row, by the way, Nick, I'm not picking on you. So, they, and then from there, they go right out the door. Because they feel that they don't live up to Christianity. But who does that to them? We set that standard. We do. Listen, the standard here is give your life to Christ. Follow him. And if you trip and fall, we'll help you get up. And if anybody here judges you, you let me know. We're not here to judge anybody. We're not here to judge anybody. And you could tell when they walk through there, man, and, and they're carrying that burden of that sin, that sin was paid for. Who are we to put it back on that person? And churches do that. They, they raise this standard of you being able to be part of our local body by being this and being the other. No, God did not do that. We did that. We did that. And it's wrong. It really is. Because then they don't experience the forgiveness of God through us, and they don't forgive themselves, and they don't forgive others. And they work right through those steps, and they end up hostile and upset, and they leave the church, and they leave Christ, and they don't want anything to do with it. That's the last thing you want a saved person to, to be like. And sometimes you just have to be patient. People were patient with me. I was rough at the beginning, man. I was in the pastor's office all the time. And I wasn't, I wasn't like, like, you know, sinning and doing all this crazy stuff in the church. No, I was stirring things up, man. I would read the Bible and say, look at what it says here. And I'd go tell the pastor, that woman you got in there as, a, as the youth pastor, she doesn't belong there because look at what it says right here. And I'd try to get her removed because she said something to me I didn't like. And I thought I had the scripture to get her removed, and he laughed at me. <laughs> Pastor explained it to me, and I was like, okay. I felt foolish many times, but I went right, oh, marched right in there. Look at what it says here. Look at what, it, you know, and why are we doing this? And this is wrong, and I was always causing trouble. And they were patient with me. That's why I'm patient with others. Sometimes people come in. One time I was at the door and this lady came up to me and she said something to me. They're not, she's not here anymore, but she said something to me. And um, somebody that was part of this church for a long time, they're not here either. But they were standing next to me and they heard everything that went down. And, and I leaned over and I, I gave her a hug. and I told them, I'm so sorry you feel that way. And you know, I'll look into it and I'll pray about it and see. And, and I'll get back to you. And I did. I got back to her. I wasn't just blowing her off. I got back to her and told her we were going to continue to do things that way because that's how we felt, God. But I gave her the importance of what she was saying to me, but she didn't come say it nicely. She was like, you know, she was telling me what was up, right? She was telling me. And when it was all over, the person that was standing next to me came and goes, how do you do that? By the grace of God, by the Holy Spirit, because I wanted to point at the door. My humanity said, you don't like the way we do things? There's the door. But I didn't do that. I loved on her, and I tried to teach her, and, right? And she hung out for a little while, and then, then she still wasn't happy. And I said, let's find you someplace that you're going to be happy. Why do you keep coming here? You're so upset at everything we do. <laughs> you know, I said, it's okay. Let's, it's all right. We release you. Let's find you a place. And we sent her. It's better to be sent than to leave. Right? We'll bless you. You're ready to go. We'll pray over you. We'll anoint you and send you on your way. And sometimes we'll cry about it and sometimes we'll... No. <laughs> right? <laughs> that's, that's, that's not true. That's not true. You don't want to see anybody leave, especially as a shepherd. You, you know, 
As a pastor, I feel like I'm the one that can help them, and you should always feel that way, you know? But uh, we want to we spend some time trying to do some of this, and we're only halfway there. So next week, I need you, if you heard the first part, you need to be here next week. And those who didn't hear the first part will still be able to receive next week and have communion. But we're going to have a moment of ministry and, and help you kind of work through this. I always pray before we come our way. Thanks for listening to the New Life Bible Church podcast. If you're ever in the Central Florida area, consider this a standing invitation for you to join us. We would love to meet you. Services are Sundays at 1030 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If this message blessed you, imagine what it would be like in person. Keep up with everything going on at New Life on our website, orangecitychurch.com. New Life Bible Church, you will never be the same.